God is obviously doing some amazing things, and I'm excited about it. Um, but I wanted to lay a bit of a foundation, uh, or at least reveal a little of the foundation in my heart about about what we're what we're looking at, because it's not just a matter of getting hyped up over a new year. I do think 2020 is going to be special. Uh, I have some friends who are glad to be out of 2019. It was a rough year for them, and that happens every now and then. I understand that. Uh, but this is it's more than just the passing of a date. Uh, it's more than just stepping into a new decade. It's actually that God's been speaking to people and caused some amazing things to come out of hearts. Uh, for instance, you know, Gil and Dina moved from California, and you guys moved from Oklahoma. Why anyone would leave Oklahoma, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, whatever, whatsoever. But uh, really what the story is, is these guys have a heart to serve. They have a heart to listen to the Lord and to serve God. And they're here, and that's why... Uh, Gil and Adina are there. We were able to have a successful first day, kind of, you know, as far as making the transition. So that was pretty fun. And then we have a whole church full of people. The the Church of the River, is that what that? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Ecclesia. Ecclesia Rios, yes. Uh, and, and so bless you guys. Thank you for coming. I, I, you know, what, a, what an honor it is to have you just listen to the Lord and say, yeah, well, give it a whirl. <laughs> So I, I just love it. So tonight we got a, a good group on, on Zoom and uh, had some fantastic conversations. Jeremy and Amy were able to be out here over the Christmas week. We didn't get as much time together, but it's 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 awesome to, to connect. And we've got some ideas about what's going on out remotely with Zoom people uh, back at where they live in, in Shelbyville and so on. So anyway, welcome to Joyland. Here's the deal, if this works. All right, so together in Jesus... And, and I wanted to emphasize tonight, it's a little bit different message. I'm going to try to keep it short. I've got like a million slides, but you'll understand why in just a second. Uh, I wanted to, to, to emphasize the fact that this is an effort in Jesus. It's not just a work. It's not something we're just choosing to do. Same thing goes with Laurel and the kids. Like she's experimenting back there with getting, we have a, another Zoom number. And so she's probably on Zoom with Jeremy and Amy's kids back in Illinois. And, and, and so she, you know, we've got all kinds of stuff that's going on that way. So it is in Jesus. Now, is it possible to just say that, you know, uh, Jesus name gets tacked on a lot of things that may or not be Jesus. But, uh, I, I think that that is what our, what the root of our togetherness is, if it's going to be real. And I think it is real. So, what is this? And it's enjoying all of Papa's love. Now, I tried to, uh, Get some Spanish on that. that. I hope it helps. Uh, Doing good. Okay, so far so good. If I really blew it on one, you can just snicker and then make a note of it, and I'll catch your eye. <laughs> we'll know that I, I missed it pretty bad. But <clears throat> whatever it is that we're facing in 2020, it doesn't complicate Christianity. It doesn't complicate our role with Christ. I don't care how detailed it is. And I can say that both from positive and negative experience. In negative experience, I can say it because I spent a large amount of time in my Christian faith thinking that I bore responsibility to fulfill every revelation that came my way, every rule, every organization, every everything. That's not the truth. We have a responsibility to, to do stuff. I heard, I heard um, if I can remember this exactly, I heard Bill Johnson talking this morning I think he was listening to a message that came uh, as he was kind of stewarding the church through the loss of that little girl. I don't know if you know the situation, but one of their primary worship leaders, uh, two-year-old, stopped breathing uh, just before Christmas or a couple of weeks before Christmas, and, uh, and, and she died. 
And the church rallied around, and the parents wanted them to, to pray and worship and stand for resurrection, and they did. And uh, little Olivia did not raise from the dead. But um, but Bill was, I like your phrase, Vicki, he was stewarding uh, the congregation through there. And he said something that was very liberating to me personally, and I, I'm going to try to get it right. He said, there's really no point and no gain in analyzing your faith if you'll just obey what you hear. That'll give God the opportunity to do what he can do. Something like that. It's pretty close. But it's really, really true when you think about it. We, and, 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 and everybody that's in this room is somebody who's been hard after God. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't come to Joyland, even to visit, probably. Um, but but it, it's so easy to get trapped into a sense of responsibility or get trapped into a sense of analysis of our faith or analysis of our anointing or analysis of our power. When the only thing Jesus ever really asked anybody to do was follow him and listen to him and do what he says. Like, there's a lot of instances there. The calling of all the disciples was, follow me, and I'll make you, whatever he made them, fishers of men. So so one of the elements that we're responding to is the answer to the call of God, to the words that we hear. I've said it a lot of times, and I'm, I'm really sticking to it. Christianity is fundamentally knowing that you're loved, listening to the voice of the Lord, and doing what he says. Now, that does lead to some extraordinary things. It leads to people going on crazy adventures across the country. It leads to people trying new technology. It leads to people going into the mission field and doing amazing things and even sacrificing their lives. So it's not that the scope, you know, when we were saying in Oceans, uh, yes, there is a great unknown, but you're not alone in the midst of the great unknown. And the great unknown really doesn't require any more spiritual skill than is required for a child to hear the voice of God and respond to that call and come. And so that's where we're at. And I want to be sure and reinforce that. So one is enjoying all of Papa's love. Now, I believe that this, the ability to enjoy and to be assured in God's love, the Father's love, is a prerequisite for being able to hear his voice and obey. Because if you don't know your love, you will inevitably be lured back into a kind of performance a quid pro quo type of thing, where you're trying to always figure out what does God require of me? And that is not the basis for relationship. And you can go back in the Old Testament, it talks about to do good and, and uh, uh, you know, love justice and do justice and love mercy. I'm not saying that there's not doing in our lives. What I'm saying is the doing in our lives that counts flows from, first of all, the assurance that we're absolutely loved by the Father. Because if you have to work for love, you're not going to be able to have a reserve sufficient to love the people around you, and you're going to be insecure. And we have made an industry of the hypocrisy of, of allowing Christians to try to live their faith without knowing that God loves them. And that's one of the things we're committed to in Joyland is to try to get away from that. So I just want to, I think that this idea of enjoying, and I put the word enjoying partly because I really like the Spanish counterpart to it, <laughs> disfrutando. That's a cool word. It even sounds cool, you know. Uh, but I chose enjoying rather than knowing. And I think it's important to know God's love. But because knowing jo- uh, God's love uh, in a lot of the circles that I travel in has become an academic exercise. Yeah, I know God loves me. 
But do you enjoy it? One of the reasons that we, uh, we, we put something over here uh, in our mission statement is we want to help people experience the affection of the Father, God's affection. Because affection is a different sort of thing than just some sort of abstract sense of knowing that you're loved. Affection is what you feel when you pick up a baby. Affection is what you feel when a little toddler runs up to you, or like when I saw Judah tonight. You got, you know, that's, that's different than some sort of, oh yeah, I, I, I know I love you, you know. Because, I mean, doesn't that phrase, uh, I know I love you with that tone, just beg to say, well, but I don't like you. <laughs> and that's what we're all sold on, I think. I think, I think that, that so many people spend our lives and spend their time not really knowing whether God likes them, but knowing that He's obligated to love them. Well, a person who's obligated to love me is not going to be the first person I'm going to turn to for emotional comfort. I'll tell you that right now. So I think enjoying that. The second is living in our union. Living in our union. What do I mean by that? I mean that we are already united with Christ, not based upon decisions that we have or have not made, but based primarily on the decision that the Father made to send him and that he made to come. And, and, and so this union thing is built on the majesty of things like the incarnation. It's built on the bigness of Jesus uh, taking root, literally, in, in, in a young Jewish girl and being born. Uh, it, it, it's, it's based on the fact that, that there is a truth to the fact, a culmination of the fact that Jesus said, if the Son of Man be lifted up, he'll draw all to himself. So I'm all for making choices to, to accept, believe, uh, love Jesus, call myself, you know, know it. But, but the reality here is that we have a union that Christ has formed with us. And it's up to us to live that way. Now, how do we be together in Jesus? The first is enjoying Papa's love. Because that just gives you all kinds of grace. Love covers a multitude of sins. That means when you stumble or I stumble in front of you, it's not either of our jobs to, to back away and try to create a corrective judgmental situation in that. We can still afford to go ahead and embrace. Does it mean we don't lead one another, correct one another, talk to one another, hold one another accountable? No, it's okay. But there's a place for it in love that is unlike in, in any place outside of love. It's unlike a place of judgment. And then we, we trust our union. When I stumble... My union is not threatened because Jesus is the one that made it. Okay? Showing that love to everyone. Um, really, these are the three essences of why God would bring anybody together. To know they're loved, to explore the union, and all that it holds. I mean, good grief. It touches every part of creation, every part of life, and to show that love to your best. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this. So we're already together in all these things. This is an important point. Already, these are realities in our life. And when I was uh, listening to the song, uh, you know, uh, Take Me Out Upon the Waves or whatever the case, there is there is a possibility of allowing our thinking to slip into the fact that, okay, wow, God's calling us to join together. Or God's calling us to move and start something. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And how is that going to work? The reality is, whether we acknowledge it or recognize it or not, we are already brothers and sisters because of Jesus. We are already co-laborers in the kingdom, co-laborers in the, in the outreach on the Internet. We are already 
co-laborers in worship and in all the things that we do in prayer and, 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 and healing prayer and all this kind of stuff. We are already together in these things. Our job is to recognize it, to make room for that awareness in our life, and then move forward. So the one thing I want to dispel is that whatever God is doing here, we don't have to know exactly what it is. What we have to do is know that we're loved, listen to the voice of the Lord, and take a step. It's just that simple. Now, I can make it way more complicated, and I will. I promise you. (laughs) Internally, at some point. But the reality is, this is true. This is what we're about. We're about hearing the voice of the Lord, knowing that that voice is not going to come with a piercing judgment or a separating, pushing away. That's not it, because we know we're loved. We know we're loved. Does that mean we might not be disciplined? No, of course not. Will God discipline sometimes? Absolutely, He will. Will God say something that causes you to cringe about yourself? He does to me. But none of that changes the basis of love. So we're already together in these things. And here's three passages of Scripture I want to power through. One is that we're already united in family and united in love. So uh, here's the Spanish on this side. I switched them back and forth for some unusual reason, but nevertheless. Uh, so right over here is uh, the Spanish side, as you can see. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height of the depth, and to know the love of God, the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Here's what I want to emphasize in this. Every family in heaven has already derived its name from God. So we don't have to make that happen. We get to step into that realization and to enjoy that. Now, I know this sounds hard to believe. That means every Muslim family? Yeah. That means every family uh, in South America, every family in in the the cold uh, northern European area, every family in Africa? Yes. Do I fully understand what the ramifications of all of that? No. But what it does mean is this. There's not families that are out there someplace, separate from the love of the Father, separate from the, the, the inclusion in Christ. They're just not. And so our job is to just begin to relate. Now, in every family... There's some people that you cringe when they come over for the holidays, okay? So that's okay. We don't, it doesn't mean we're all perfect. It doesn't mean we're all in that situation. But, uh, he is the source of who we are and of our togetherness. Does that make sense? Okay. Then down here, that you being rooted and grounded be able to with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. So look at the progression in this section that Paul's talking about. Uh, una familia, gran amor. Big love. Big, big love. Big, big love. God's love is bigger than we, than we assume. It's bigger than we usually relate to. So one family with a big love. And look at what happens in this progression. So that we're rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Uh, it's very, very rare that you analyze the growth of a plant 
And I'm not saying that, that the root system can't be a, a source of a problem, but it's very rare that you look at your plants and you analyze it based on the root system. The root system should be uh, no problemo. It should be a given. Sometimes uh, something will come and eat the top. Sometimes the heat will burn it off. But if you're rooted and grounded in love, that is the stable base. And that's why we're... I think being called to, to do what we're doing, uh, and now that you ha- and then now that you've got the base, okay, I'm rooting granted. Father loves me. Father loves me. Father loves me. Jesus gave Himself for it. The Holy Spirit's created a, a relationship of love around me. Now may we be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, the bigness, the bigness, and that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God. The project, the work that I always got stuck in in my past was to try to get filled up to the fullness of God. I tried to do something to get that. In my Pentecostal days, I tried to do whatever was necessary to be filled with the Spirit. And uh, other times... It was just one more thing. Lord, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Well, you have to be rooted. We are. We are. Already. And now we have to stay on the journey to comprehend how big the love is. That's where we're at. Ronnie? There's a section right there. Is it 19? I think it says, And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Yeah. That. When I looked at that, I was like, that's kind of weird. Um, to know something that you can't know is one way to look at that. Uh-huh. And um, I think what I've learned and experienced is the idea that knowing in your head and experiencing are very different. That's right. And so this knowing, I think, is an experiential yeah. knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and it goes beyond thing. It goes beyond that capacity. So therefore, our primary discipline isn't just to know. It is to experience. It's to experience. That's exactly. Exactly. Now, it doesn't wipe out knowledge. It's okay to have knowledge. It's okay to share testimony. It's okay to study the scripture. It's okay to do all that. It doesn't, it doesn't eliminate knowledge, but we don't, we don't just make it a knowledge journey. It's, it's, it's a knowledge journey. Like when you guys were moving out here, you guys were moving up here, it was fantastic to have the GPS on. But the GPS is not the end experience. It's getting there. And it's, and it's part of the incremental journey that, that does get you there that is that experience. So you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a, it's a past knowledge. All right. So how do we do that then? How do we grow together? I thought that was a cool word. Is it pronounced crescer? Also. Crescer? Crecer. Ah, good. Crecer. Crecer. Como crecer juntos. Excellent. All right, let's get back. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is in Philippians. Here's the part I want to emphasize in that. How do we do this together then? How do we do it together? If it's not a job where we've got to get everybody on the right spot in the bus, if it's not some kind of corporate structure, if it's not some kind of family structure that we have to decide, or religious structure especially, we have to decide who's on top, who's in the middle, who's on the bottom, what do we do? Well, one, he says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, 
maintaining the same love, united in spirit and intent on one purpose. So that does leave room for exploring what are, what's set before us and why you guys are called up here and why you guys feel the urge to come over here and why we are where we are doing what we're doing. So I'm not saying that there's none of that, but let's just, let's, let's begin to develop a habit of fellowshipping with one another and identifying those things. And, and then once we get a sense of that, um, intent on one purpose, like, um, we're just beginning, um, Gil and, Gil and I are just beginning to talk about that. What is God trying to do? What do we want to do to the people around us? Why do you guys gather? Why do you guys ascend? Why do you seek out God? What is God wanting to do? And we want to adopt the purpose that he has or participate it. Uh, a guy that I love a lot, uh, Paul Young, one of the transitional parts in his life, Paul Young's the guy that wrote the book, The Shack. And uh, one of the transformational things in his life was when he came to the point where he said, because he was a performance-oriented guy his whole life, and the story of the shack is about the false front that Paul put up in his own life. But one of one of his transitional points was he said, Lord, I am through asking you to bless what I'm doing. I promise you I will never do that again. But if there's something that you're doing that I can play a role in, I'm all in. And that was really the biggest turning point in all that whole healing journey. It's not us trying to get God to bless what we're doing. It is us saying, God, if there's a place with you that I can move, I want to do that. It's kind of like we blame with God. See, it's like, in a way, it's like the military crowd. It's like, he's got the plan. Our job is to blow with him. Yeah, yeah. The only the only difference is the general goes with us. In you know the military analogy. Yeah, she said it's like a uh, it's a little bit like a military plan that um, uh, you know that plan is set up and our job is to understand it and flow into it to receive it and flow into it. Sometimes to obey without even fully understanding. But all, the, my comment was the the only difference between that and what we're enjoying with God is that He goes with us. He said, Lo, I'll be with you for, you know, ever, even into the end of the age. So, so there, there's one. Now here's another one. How about this? With humility of mind regarding one another is more important than yourselves. Okay. Now those are very religious sounding words. If you take them out of a context of knowing that you're loved. But if I know that I'm loved and my life is not being judged on the basis of performance, I don't need to compete with you. I can love you, and I can be loved by you. And I'm not, I stand here, you know, um, acting like I'm really good at that. I'm not really good at it. I'm getting better all the time. Getting better all the time. But, uh, yeah, so that's, humility, um, one of the interesting things about humility is it's one of the few things in the Bible that we are instructed to do on behalf of ourselves. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. I think humility is something that God has given us as a gift. And I think, like everything, you know, we love because God first loved us. We can be humble because God first humbled himself to be like us, to take us into himself. Never forget the humility of God. There's people that argue that it's an inappropriate thing to talk about. That's crazy. The greatest act of humility ever. You want to, if you're going to ask a question, we need you to go back to the mic. No, I was going to give 
Okay. Well, but, but see, the people can't hear you on Zoom if you don't step to the mic. So if you'll just walk right there and share, that'd be awesome. I know it's your first time here, so appreciate it. Right back there. There you go. I'd love to hear what you have to say. But then now the folks on Zoom will be able to hear it, too. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm finished. There you go. Yeah, just... I was just flowing with what he was saying. Um, Jesus himself demonstrated humility when he was around a twelve disciple. He went and washed their feet. Yeah. And that's really humility right there, because he was the teacher. He was the Messiah. Everybody was looking for a Messiah. He was it. He knew it. Mm-hmm. But he was able to humble himself and wash the people's, uh, yeah, and, his and, disciples' feet out of love. Yeah. Out of love. Now, that act, and this is something important about humility, that act flowed out of a greater foundation of humility that that was what he did when he set aside his heavenly prerogative is the word of the Father and the Son. He didn't give those things away. He just set them aside and stepped in to the humility of a birth through Mary. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And that's right. He did. He did. And and think of it. This is a measuring stick, too. In other words, we don't have... I mean, the Scripture says that Moses was the most humble man in all the earth at that time. How do you measure humility? Here's how. Because you regard someone else as more important than you. Humility. It's a big deal. All right, so that's one other way. And then the last one is do not merely look out for your own personal interests but also for the interest of others. Is there a chance you might be taken advantage of if you do that? Uh-huh. Is there a chance that you'll, you'll, you'll be shown to be naive, maybe? I don't think so. I don't think naivete is it. What, babe? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> um, And the other thing, and we're going to see that in just the next section of Scripture, people will not only see your heart, they'll see Jesus' heart. They'll see Jesus' heart. Humility goes a long way to making a message that people are not sure is true or not palatable to hear. And I think, Gil, I think as, as the stuff we're trying to do out there, if we can somehow keep this one front and center in the community or online or wherever the case is, if we can keep that front and center, it'll create the space that people will know, hmm, I don't think this way, but maybe I ought to give this some consideration. So, praise God. Yeah, just think of the interest of others. Amen. All right, so the third one is to show off God's love. How do we do it? Because having all this love in us is is, is one thing. Showing it off is another. And I think the church has gotten a lot of trouble trying to answer the question, how do we show God's love without taking the advice that the Scripture provides through Jesus? We've come up with plans, we've come up with campaigns, we've come up with all kinds of things like that. So here's what Jesus said. A new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another even as I have loved you. And then he goes on to emphasize, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one for another. In another place, in John 17, Jesus says that uh, by this men will know that you sent me, Father. He's praying to the Father. 
And he said, if we have love for, if you have love for one another, people will know that you sent me, sent Jesus. That's the best evangelistic program ever. And I'm not dissing all the other things or any of that, but what I'm saying is if we have love for one another. I spent a long time teaching as if the love, uh, passages that Jesus talked about in, in Matthew about, uh, um, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbors yourself, that that was the pattern of love that we were called to. One day I realized, a few years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, no, Larry, that's, that's not the new covenant pattern of love. That's the way love was in the old covenant. And it, it was really instructive because a lot of times people think that the old covenant wasn't about love, but it was about love. It was about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving your neighbors yourself. You know, all the laws that apply to Gentiles and all this kind of stuff, it was all part of that. But the new commandment is this one. And of course it's this because it's the commandment of love that surrounded the, the demonstration of love in Jesus. That you love one another even as I have loved you. Sounds simple? Touches every part of your life. Every aspect of humility, every aspect of what you, how you want to relate to people. And you could spend a whole season of your life with a journal or a devotional just going, how do you love people, Jesus? Listen and write it down. You could go on ascension after ascension saying, show me how you love. And then I, I bet you some of the things he would show us would, would be eye openers. They'd shock us. I think God shows um, love for other people. Yes. Thank you. By by meeting their needs, like like people who says, "I need to see," and they would heal their eyes. Or they didn't really say that, but you know, like son of David, you know, pray for me. You know, I I want to walk, and he helped them walk. So yeah. he, he met them where their greatest need was. Mm-hmm. That's how beautiful he is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and, and the beauty about about that kind of love is it it won't happen if you don't already have the eyes to see. One of the big questions that I ask that changed my life not too long ago, a couple years ago, is uh, I said, Papa, I don't trust how I see people or things, but if you'll show me how you see them, I'll I'll agree. I'll agree, Ronnie. So this is a comment. And I don't know how it fits into anything except that God showed it to me while you were talking. Okay. So because of that, here it comes. Um, some of the stuff we are, that I'm learning, and I think a lot of us are, is the idea that there's no in and out, that people aren't outside of God's love, mm-hmm. that everybody's in it. And the thing that you just showed me, or you said it, I don't even remember the words, but God took it and ran with it. <laughs> okay. And it's the idea that the Old Testament had the Jews and everybody else. So the Jews were in, everybody else was out. Mm-hmm. When the New Covenant came with Jesus, there is no in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that's true. And I, I think we I think we do an injustice to the Old co- uh, Covenant. We do an injustice to God if we if we believe that that was just a cut and dried thing. It was out because there's a ton of stuff in the old covenant that is designed to include people, bring people in, open the doors, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but I do think there was a fundamental issue there. And I think it can be as, 
As simple as the fact of, of, of who was carrying the revelation, I think it could be as complex as the fact of principalities and powers and all of the things around the world that were there. It's a whole other study for that time. But it was always God's, uh, it was never God's intention to separate and isolate people. And one of the, it was, it, I think it was a default forced on God a lot by the nature of people's rebellion. And the way you can tell that it wasn't ever his intent is that the one passage that speaks about Jesus going and speaking to people who were in prison from those times in the Old Testament, they're the ones in Noah's day. And the definition of those people, the definition of those people was that every thought and intent of their heart was continually turned to evil. And those were the people Jesus went and visited during his and resurrection. Yeah, Jim. Could that be considered warm space love? Which one? Okay, here's how. Uh, so Jim asked, uh, could that, could this kind of thing, uh, love one another even as I have loved you, be considered a performance-based love? Here's why I would say not. Uh, performance is another one of those words. I use it a lot, and I use it negatively a lot of times when I'm describing myself at having uh, leaned into law or leaned into some kind of personal expectation to try to to do right or get righteous or something like that. Performance, there's nothing wrong with performance. It's why you're performing and what you're performing. It has to do with motive, yeah. And so the reason that I think this isn't is this is first and foremost not following, uh, what do I want to call them? Not following rules on a page. Oops. There we go. It's not following rules on a page. It's following the living example of Jesus in relationship with him. And then it does get to our heart. I think the problem with the rules on a page is they don't always get to our heart. And the psalmist lamented about that. The psalmist cried, you know, I'm going to write your words. God covered that in the New Covenant when he says, I'm going to write my laws in your heart and put them in your mind. Or I'm going to put my laws in your heart and write them on your mind. So I think that's because the New Covenant is based on a relationship, not on a book, not on a, a civil code. You see what I'm saying? So that's why I don't think it's performance. Now, Paul also said the same thing, which be, could be considered performance. I think I'm trying to remember who, who he said it to. I, I don't remember. Uh, but he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, yeah, you could take that wrong and you could create some kind of weird leadership hierarchy and all this kind of stuff. But what Paul was essentially saying is, I'm your, I'm your father in the faith. And he also said, you know, uh, honor those who work among you. So he wasn't just holding it exclusively to himself, but it's a relational thing. That's why I think the difference is. Um, and I, one of the things that I think is just really a bummer, and I think that I want to give my life to working on, and I, I think you guys are in the same boat, I think you guys are pulling a group together to do that, is because we have a lot of people that go to church that do try to make that another law. And it isn't a law. It's a relationship. It's the fruit of a relationship. And so if there's a tension, and this is a good marker, and I don't mean any condemnation by this for me or Jim or anybody. If, if, if we can only come up with a set of behavioral rules by reading the New Testament, we're missing the point that Christ dwells in our heart by faith. And, and, and we, that, that's why I, for many years I struggled with John. Yes. 
Who we got, Riley? Uh, okay, cool. Uh, I struggled for a long time with trying to understand what Jesus says in John chapter 15. If, uh, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Or in John, I think, is it 14 or 15? Where he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I turned those into a rule-based commandment instead of a relationship-based commandment. Well, once it's relationship, it's easy. And again, how can that be? Because my standing is not because I do a thing that looks like that. My standing is knowing that I'm loved by the Father. And because I'm loved by the Father, so now I more or less interpret this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Like, oh, cool. Oh, cool. Then all I got to do is concentrate on loving you. I don't have to worry about keeping your commandments out of some sort of proper, you know what I'm saying? If I love you, Jesus, there's a power in this relationship that will pull me into your truth. Um, we we got we to gotta get there. Uh, Jeremy and Amy. Yep, 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 yep. Hi there. Hey, Beth. That's awesome. um, uh, can you speak for just a moment on the love of our own self? I know it sounds weird to say it that way. Uh, I've always been taught, you know, that that we're not to love ourselves, or you know, the things, the sin thing is really, you know, just put muddy the waters completely. And so, um, I guess what I'm wanting to know is, can I properly love uh, someone else if I'm not loving? The very, the very me that God created. Right. Okay. Let me let me answer it uh, this way and see if it makes sense, and then just jump back in if you need to. Um, if love is some abstract set of rules, you know, in other words, if we interpret First Corinthians thirteen as being a new covenant version of behavioral rules, then. Uh, then I don't know what the answer to that to be. But if we understand that this is a relational thing and we go back to the very root of why we can love at all, uh, you love because he first loved you, John says, First John. So the answer to that is simply, or I would take the question back to you, is it possible to, to see someone accurately if you don't see them or you refuse to see them like the Father does? The answer would probably be no. And so if you can see people the way the Father sees them, you will love them the way the Father loves them. And that includes yourself. Because while, while if we're trying to do this as a performance-oriented thing, we can get stuck in, in, in the mechanics of loving people and whether or not we love ourselves is irrelevant, blah, blah, blah. But I just don't think we can make it in life in a meaningful way, if we don't learn to see and hear things like God does. And so, if you see you the way God does, you'll be secure enough to love somebody else, whether they're lovable, whether they return that love, or anything along those lines. So that would be my answer. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, uh, somebody on Zoom, unmike and, and thank her for taking the time to get up to the mic. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Make sure you can see me correctly. Yes. I look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, there's some makeup behind you if you need it. 
Growing up in uh, performance Christianity, sometimes we get hung up reading the Word because we take it literally, and we try to literally work it out. And um, it's not until God really brings a revelation of what that Word is truly is. Yeah. And I just find that over and over in my life, um, in fact, I, I kind of just got the word that was brought this during the service was eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. And I take that that God says, keep Richard, keep your eyes wide open, not on uh, on the spiritual aspect of me, understanding who I am, understanding who I want you to understand who I am and and who you who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was listening to it, I also had that same exact thought about people. Keep your eyes open. See who they are. See, you know, keep looking. So, go ahead. And it's not, but it, it starts with your yourself. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand the first step of God, the Father's love for you, mm-hmm. the, there's a big hurdle there that mm-hmm. you have to get over. It's understanding that God truly loves you, yeah. and He's laid down His very Son for you, mm-hmm. and everything is at your fingertips. If you just understand that, yeah. Uh, when you when you understand that part, then it's then you go, wow, God, what else am I missing here? And then then continuously asking God, show me more, and more. And then as you understand God's love for yourself, and he, then He starts opening your eyes to how He loves others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It, it just um, changes everything. It does change everything. And then literally the, everything. Then the word becomes alive. Mm-hmm. The word that you have read time and time again, that you thought you knew, understand, and now you understand that now I know what it means. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just putting down the word for a while and allowing God just to minister to you in the spirit realm mm-hmm. uh, of who you are and who he is and and I just, you know, maybe we just come to a different aspect of who God is in our walk with Him. I'd like to share our words and uh, a chapter in First uh, John four eighteen, and it says, "There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, Amen. because fear symbolizes torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect." In love. Amen. So I believe the fundament and the beginning of everything, it's love. Mm-hmm. So if you don't love yourself, you haven't reached the love of God. Yeah, amen. If you don't love others, you haven't known the love of God. Mm-hmm. So everything started and beginning with the love. And, and the Bible, um, the Bible talks about many, many uh, aspects of God. But when talk about the aspect of of love, it, it mentioned that it's infinite, mm-hmm. it's long, it's big, mm-hmm. it's humongous, perfect. Amen. So everything star based in love, and then it's 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 simple as that. We serve God because we start getting in love. Why we start getting in love? Because we let Him love us. Yeah. So we have to choose to let God love you every single way and minute and second of your life. Yeah. 
So this is the way you, you got it, got be able to pour his love inside you and your mind and your subconscious and your understanding and your comprehension. Anytime you feel fear, then just lo- let God show you, show you how much he's responsible is, how much he cares about you and how much he loves you. So fear definitely it's, I believe the fear is present in every single scene existing. Remember when when Eden and 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 Eve got separated from God, the first thing they show up is fear. Amen. Mm-hmm. So definitely the solution is love. For anything, just trust in God love, let him love you, let him take care of you. Amen. Amen. Just one little verse before the one you did there I want to read. Uh, it says that we have come, and this I think is the process you're talking about, Leticia. We have come to know and have believed the love God has for us. That's the transition, the belief. Yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing. Sure. And the amazing about this new age, the, 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 the age to come, is the, the father has been talking about that he is going to, he's, he's doing it now. He's doing fixing the misunderstanding of his love. Because a lot of part of the Bible has been mistranslated. Mm-hmm. A lot of part of the, the teaching that we being believe about God, it's been just a lot of misunderstanding on his love. And I know something pretty deep in me that really helped me to stand focused and really in the good level of trusting and know God's love is if it question God's love, even the Bible says it's not, it's not from God. Mm-hmm. You should not accept nothing that question God's love for you. Yeah. You, the, because it's not true. Even the Old Testament, it's a lot of misunderstanding. The love was never a command. It was never a command. Because if it's a command, and then and it's not love. Mm. Because it will be conditional. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The laws, it was a freedom loss. You can love God. You cannot kill. You can rest on Saturday. It was an option to be free since these people was his slave. It was a mentality of slave. So what Moses got from God is give them my, my commands of love. Yeah. Amen. 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 Your question? Or thought? Uh huh. Pick back up what she said, and I think what she said is great. Cause as a Christian, we should, um, we would want to accept God's love for mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And once we receive God's love or allow God to love us and transform us by His love, mm-hmm. then we have the ability to love others as He would want us to. Absolutely. It'd be a natural thing. Absolutely. So I guess, we, you know, I'm working yeah. on that process. <laughs> You know, uh, Jeremy, back to your question about do we have to love ourselves? Well, I think so. I think so because then if we don't, if we don't know that we're loved and if we don't line up with that, where is our love for other people going to come from? It's going to have to be a rule. It's going to have to be a law. Something like that. All right. So, uh, all right. So what now? What now? Let's enjoy Papa's love. There's that disfrute again. Disfrute del amor de papa. I love it. All right. Enjoy his love. Enjoy it. Second, let's share life with one another from our union with Jesus. Okay? And what I mean by that is it could be as simple as this. Look for Jesus in each other. 
If you're busy looking for Jesus in each other, even if you notice the ugly stuff or the immature stuff, you realize that's just a thing in the middle of the process. The New, the new Covenant concludes, there in Hebrews 8, take it from Jeremiah, it concludes with this, I will have mercy on your transgressions and your sins, and if you look at the, the way the language is set up, there's a double no there, and your sins, no, no way will I ever remember in relationship to your identity again. No, no way. No, no way. No, no way. Will I ever? Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> look for Jesus in each other. How do I say this? Busquen, busquen a Jesús en el otro. Eh, rough. <laughs> busquen. Yeah, gotcha. All right. Well, but, but the reason that I'm not saying Cristo is because it's the person of Jesus, not the anointing of Jesus. Christo is the anointing. Christo is the anointing. We might talk about that later. In, in, in the sense that I think that we, I think if we discipline ourselves to do so, we can literally look into the eyes of people and begin to see Jesus in there. Now, I'm not discounting, I don't want to get in trouble, I'm not discounting the anointing of Christ, the Messiah, the, 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 the anointing, the, the, the anointed one that he is, but, but there's, there's some aspect of the person of Jesus that literally lives in our hearts, and we, we can start to cultivate the ability, we can build the ability to recognize him in someone else, I think. I'm hoping to anyway. Trying to be just like Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and not, not, not to discount the anointing at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Jesus came to, to look like us. He came to embrace us, to take us in. And a lot of times, and maybe this is just my own personal history and, and doctrine and theology. I, I attach a work to that name of, of Jesus. Uh, and call it the anointing, the Christ. You know, he is all of that. Please believe me. I, I, I worship him for that. I, I love him for that. But I am captivated personally by the fact that he came to be with us. And when we saw him, we now get to see what we are supposed to be like. When we look at Jesus, we see how the Father sees us, I think. And that's something I'm calling. Uh-oh, I provoked something in Richard. The last one here is to love one another as Jesus loved us. Yes, sir. Uh, we can hear you. That's good. The um, seeing seeing Jesus and others. Uh oh, I want to sit down. <laughs> I mean, how do we how do we do that? You see their the passion in their hearts because that passion will directly relate to what Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Now, it may be distorted, but that's that's where we come in and we focus in on on I mean that's where prophecy comes in if you're prophetic if you're prophesying over someone you're pulling out the gems and the golden people mm-hmm. 
and they're, you're showing them who they truly are, and you direct them in the proper way. So you, you find someone that's in, in, uh, involved with the environment. Well, that's, that's God. Mm-hmm. Or any other thing. Mm-hmm. Those are things that are, that we can see G, actual Jesus in them, what God is wanting to bring out in a godly way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so a lot of times we say, well, how do I see someone, how do I see Jesus in someone when they're acting so crazy and mm-hmm. so forth? But, that's where you have to get to know people, mm-hmm. and you have to build relationships. Again, it's a relational thing. And Everything's different in relationship. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, one of the one of the great downfalls of the church, I think, is that we've um, we have allowed ourselves to think that there's a special class of spirituality that exists only in the church, and that that's where you see Jesus more clearly. <laughs> But do you think that somebody that's passionate about the environment or a passionate inventor or something along those lines, where did that come from if it didn't come from Jesus? Where does somebody learn to love animals or plants? The devil doesn't make you love stuff. That's Jesus. Now, do they know it? Maybe not. But they need somebody who does to talk to them and say, where did you get that passion? For dance. Where'd you get that passion for art? Where'd you get that passion for writing creative fiction? Where did you do that for design, for decorating, you know, all this kind of stuff? I'm not trying to say that there's no difference between somebody who understands that they're loved and has, has uh, given themselves to believe in Jesus and someone who doesn't. What I'm saying is that because we realize that there's not an out and an in, in the, from the perspective of God, that he is in Christ reconciling the whole cosmos to himself, that we can look at people who don't yet recognize that the passion in their heart is literally an expression of Jesus' love for the creation around them and help them see that and not just judge them as being irrelevant or of no value. And that takes work. But you have to put yourself in, you're right, Richard, you have to put yourself in a relationship. Okay. Like to say something. Oh yeah, go ahead. That. Um, well, I believe that in the level of matureness that God is taking us to, we're going to eventually learn how to choose to eat from the tree of life, mm-hmm. which I believe uh, uh, Dina and uh, Joe. It's they, yeah, they're going to teach about that so much. I hear a little bit, but um, yeah, when when you choose to do that. Um, you look everybody, you look everything from the heart of God. Amen. So it's simple as that. Mm-hmm. It's just a choose that you make, you know, and it will, it will happen eventually when we grow out in yeah. a relationship with God. It will be happening. You're not going to need to know anybody for you to feel love before, before you even met them. Amen. Right? And this is the culture God is calling us, and this is what is happening now, right now in this church. Yeah. Right? Uh, he called us to, to start in a high culture, a high, uh, extremely high culture, love one to other, mm-hmm. the same way God, God love us, yeah. respect one to other. You know, when we learn how to know each other, I learned that you, you teacher, you prophet, you apostle, you king, you servant, and we start recognize all the, the beautiful gifts that you have and, and, and just honor it. You know, so this is what is God calling us from. He's calling us from this religion where we need a covering. Somebody that's in, in the top and authority and the head to just come to the simple, simple Jesus relationship, high culture of honor. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. And, and, and it's not a culture that we have to hunt and hunt and hunt to try to find a blueprint for, a plan for. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. The words that he spoke were the ones the Father were working in his life. When Jesus looked at, the, uh, at blind Bartimaeus, he saw him as the Father saw him. He didn't see him as a blind beggar. He saw him as a child and a son. And, and he was able to deliver the Father's vision of that man to himself. And that's another thing, Jeremy, I think that adds to the answer to your question. We have to have, we have to have a vision that corresponds with how God sees us if we are to be vessels of that vision to other people. We just have to be. We have to be.